Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Okay, here we go. Welcome! Hey, we're at my house this time. Oh man, your dog is a lot calmer than my dog. Yes, well we'll see. (laughs) If we start hearing noises from the bedroom. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. So, Victory, I think we're supposed to be done with construction October 7th. So, a few more weeks of being... Uh, I actually like working from home. I shouldn't admit that to the public, but I, I, get, I get so much done writing-wise. I think seriously? I've written... I yeah. Wow. I've written, um, like... 13,000 words for this project I'm on, which is way more productive than I could ever. So anyways, hmm. but it'll be great once those offices are done. So anyways. Yeah, but you don't get interrupted all the time, you know, at home. Well, Pastor Bill doesn't jump out from behind the door at my house. <laughs> oh, he tried to get me today. <laughs> I wasn't having it. He's like a little kid. Yeah. All right, Annie, what's on your mind? So we are in a an election year for, um, you know, it, what is it? Senate, the Senate mm-hmm. seat, and uh, what's the other one? Governor. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of ads, and they're driving mm-hmm. me nuts, just <laughs> like I'm sure many people. Um, and so I guess I I wanted to talk about attack ads. It was just ads in general. Yeah. And um, are attack ads more influential than like you know positive ads? And and I guess for me, I I would guess I would prefer ads where they don't include all of this rhetoric and there's no like, you know, showing the opposing side and grainy black and white film <laughs> and the haunting music and the yep. fear, you know, tactics. And, the, you know, I, so I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, are they're, the negative they're ones, ridiculous for sure. They seem to be it, for yep. some reason. And this is why I wanted to talk about it. They seem to be, I mean, just over the top, like more so than usual. Yeah. It's like the before those as seen on TV um, like oh, yes. products. Yes. Like the people who can't yeah. open up a can <laughs> yeah. and like black and white <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're like f- throwing things everywhere. Right, and then right. you get this new can opener and everything's in color and easy. Right. And right. Well, they must work. I mean, there, there seems to be a really uh, clear system and format. Here's what we show here. Yeah. The color that we show them in the facial expressions, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the red lettering on, on, and then, and then uh, a bright sunny. It's like, there must be a formula that works for, um, pharmaceutical ads for these different drugs. Cause they're all the same. So they must have figured out why this, you know, this works. My, my thought is why does it work? You know, why do we keep on doing? And I think it's just so powerful to play on people's fear. Yep. And fear is such a strong emotion. And uh, yeah, it's it's everything. It's on the, the radio, on Spotify. It's on mm-hmm. YouTube. It's on the mm-hmm. TV. It's everywhere. So yeah, it's it's powerful. But even my, you know, my 15-year-old kid is like, this is ridiculous, yeah. you know, because they'll show one candidate and they're like, you know, so-and-so is, isn't is tough on crime. So that means he supports criminals and therefore yeah. your children will be snatched. And then they like show like, you know, a, a, a staged like child abduction. And my kid's just like rolling his eyes like, are you serious right now? Yeah. And so that's the game that they, they're playing, right? When is it too far and when is it scare people enough? But when you look back, a lot of these these uh, kind of crazy ads were, and and some of the, the the rhetoric was going on even before TV. I mean, even hundreds of years ago, I remember reading um, when electricity was starting to be used instead of the um, instead of the oil lanterns. <laughs> there there was an ad like of somebody's hair going on fire, and everybody's going to be electrocuted. And I think if money is involved, you know, it just seems like free game. They'll go as far as they can to scare mm-hmm. you. The problem is the reason we roll our eyes is because we know how 
false it is to say everything I'm doing is okay and good and everything they're doing is absolutely sinful and wrong. Well, I hope that <laughs> we have the sense to say that because I'm afraid we don't. Right. Or that not everybody does and that I'm afraid that the general public, and I hope I'm wrong, is unable to sort through what they're seeing and unable to look at it and say, okay, this is obviously slanted. Let's get down to the root of the issue. They're, they're obviously using rhetoric. They're obviously using all these, you know, manipulation, you know, mm -hmm. to, to try to make me think one way or another. I hope that people can see through that. And I'm yeah. afraid they can't. Right. My uh, daughter is starting to read the Hunger Games. Have you ever seen those movies yeah. or read those mm -hmm. books? You know, mm -hmm. and I think the reason those books and movies resonated with young people is they could see you know, on one hand, you know, there's all this stuff happening behind the scenes, but then what's published and publicized mm. is just what the, you know, the, the people in power want them to know. And, and I think that's the, the power of these ads is you can say whatever you want. No one's going to fact check it. No one's going to look into it. But if you can get somebody to have an emotional response in that moment, mm. they'll carry that emotion into the, into the election booth. So I, I, Every time I look at it, I just think about how enslaving it must be to be a politician mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you have to project that you have it all together, which none of them do. So you spend all this money and time to cover up the stuff that's bad about you. And then you have to put up the straw man argument that everything they're doing is wrong. And there is legitimate things that I think I, I disagree with on, on different sides sure. of pol politicians. But after a while, yeah, you just kind of roll your eyes at. It's not all right. If that person gets into power, is our world really going to turn into that? And if that person gets, are they really, is it really going to become some type of utopia? Mm -hmm. Politics right. just does not deliver. Well, and can we honestly, do we honestly think that candidate X really supports criminals? I mean, let's be reasonable. Like, no, mm -hmm. they don't. But it just might be that whatever policies that they're supporting or creating or whatever, there might be people who slip through the cracks a little bit mm -hmm. more, but then they, the, but then that little small percentage is exploited and made to be like, it's, it's well, just because they, you know, this, whatever policy, mm -hmm. one of the byproducts of it is, you know, maybe somebody slipped through the cracks and got out of jail or didn't have their bail or whatever. And now like they support criminals yeah. and I don't know how we go yeah. from like just this small percentage of a byproduct to supporting criminals. Like I just don't, Right. I just think I just hope people have the sense to see through this and really just look at the issues. Yeah, I think it's a downward spiral, too, because like once the other person, if the other person puts out an attack ad, you have to put one out. That's worse. Right. Yeah. Because you can't always just be sending positive messaging about yourself if they're sending message negative messaging about you and positive messaging about themselves, you know, it's like, oh, what, are they actually perfect? No, of course not. So then you've got to do something worse, right. and then they're going to do something worse to you. And it's about taking something, whatever it is, and then taking it to its complete extreme. Right. And so, you know, on the, the Republican or conservative side, um, you know, they don't, believe in abortion that means they're taking away everybody's rights and right, right, you know, right, and right. It, it just explode right. it to the to the extreme and that and, they hate women and yeah, yeah all right, that stuff. right right um that's why i really like i don't have you guys ever watched uh parks and rec that was a the tv yes. show and like leslie nope was running yeah. for whatever that was mayor or something like that and all the stuff behind the scenes and how ridiculous it is yeah. to yes. try to run a political campaign <laughs> yeah. and so after a while you just have to laugh at it because right I think that's why SNL, they love mm -hmm. <laughs> when politics comes up because it it's you don't have to really write a script. You just do what they're doing. And yep. It's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. You know, it's already written for you. Yep. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the answer is? I, I, I just hope people have the sense just to 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 look at the candidate and try, you know, try to, you know, as best we can get to know the candidate and and the candidate's character and. Nah, um, just ignore it. Don't vote. Who cares? It's all see, a waste of time. See, and I don't know Total if that's the answer. I don't know if that's what a the millennial. answer either. You know? Uh, I think... I think we should The question vote. is, if somebody decided... Because like, every once in a while, a politician will say that, well, I'm not going to be caught up in, in negative ads and, and, and that kind of rhetoric. And either they don't get any attention or, or they don't stick with what they originally said. So... 
I don't know if you could. Could you run a campaign and win if you didn't have any kind of negative no. ads? Squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Like, yeah, fear is a powerful emotion. Yeah. People want somebody who's like out there fighting, and they seem like more tough than I think. And just yeah, and just being, it's easy to forget pe- people and things too. So if they're constantly in the, you know, in the spotlight or chirping at you, like you're gonna, you know, remember them and. I think we have to watch out for two extremes. On one extreme, you know, when politics takes the place of your faith, which I think it happens because our Christian faith is eroded in the, in the United States, where now this is the only way to really get things done and really change mm-hmm. the country and really transform people is mm-hmm. through politics. And so you have such a high view that you put all your hopes and how devastating it is when your candidate wins and they don't deliver or when they lose and you think that maybe if they just would have won, then yeah. all the problems would be taken away. Right. The other extreme, I think, and I think like you are just showing right now, Matt, is that <laughs> you get so <laughs> disillusioned by the whole thing that you're like, forget it. I'm not voting. I'm not participating. Waste of time. And I don't think that's good either. You I know, either. So to have an appropriate, healthy kind of optimism that politics can do some things, not a ton of things, but something's okay. <laughs> and, as I, and as I've said a hundred times before, I am hoping that every politician is operating with the best of intentions. Right. Because if I think anything else, then I will go crazy. Right. And what's pretty, that's why I love what Jesus says to, the, or to, to Pilate when he's on trial. You know, Pilate says to Jesus, don't you know that I have authority to crucify you or to set you free? And Jesus says, you would have no authority unless that was given to you from my father. Dang. And so the the hope, you know, that even in the crucifixion um, by the Roman government, Jesus knows, all right, God's still in control. My father is still in control. And so even even if there isn't, people aren't sincere in in political power, God is still ultimately the king of kings and and Mm -hmm. is still in charge. And I think that the people, like the people watching these, like the people who actually believe the conspiracies, they already have their minds made up before the ad. I I think most people are probably with you where they just roll their eyes and realize how stupid it is. Right. And and most, you know, independent voters or, or, you know, people who are willing to jump party lines, um, which, I mean, I consider myself to be one of those people depending on, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going Mm on. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not swayed by it at all. And, and. I get why it happens. I understand why. Um, and sometimes it's not even from the candidate themselves. Sometimes it's from like the super PAC or like, you know, like yeah. when in the presidential election, mm-hmm. things like that, like it's, that's coming from other places, not necessarily yeah. the candidate themselves, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. It is very intense and it's, <laughs> we just try to mute every time the stuff comes on and <laughs> because it's just so ridiculous, and and yeah, it's really sad. But I I think it does say something about human nature, uh, how much we want to hide our bad stuff and make other people look as bad as possible, mm. so that we can get power. And how yeah. how people gravitate toward the drama. Yeah. And yeah, it's like watching uh, Jerry Springer out there. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. crazy. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess just be obje- try to be objective and. I think it's it. We talked about this before because so much news and information is algorithm driven. Mm-hmm. It's hard to actually get to the reality and the truth about what these people believe. Mm-hmm. Who, so I think you you have to find a way to look at their record, look at what they voted on, look what they're really passionate about, and but who's going to take the time to do that? Who's going to take the time to really get past the algorithm and see what these people really care about? Mm-hmm. That's the tough part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops, solving the world's problems. There you go. One, one podcast <laughs> one at <down>. a time. <laughs> what you got, Ben? All right. So uh, we're, we're continuing the sermon series right now on Genesis. We're called Origins. And uh, as I'm doing lots of research, I've been thinking about this for years. Uh, I wanted to bring up the question, is Genesis, specifically Genesis 1 through about 4, um, is it history? Is it literal history? And the reason I bring that up is not because um, I'm have questions because based on science or anything like that. Um, 
as I look at science, um, are you falling asleep, Matt? Matt That's what I want to know. Attention. Okay, you're oh. thinking. All right. Ben, going I just on, know, and on, and on. on. You want you a pillow? <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Kidding. Okay. The as I look at at debates out there, how the world came to be, I think Darwinian evolution uh, is is continues to to be shown as a false idea. There, there's just no way. I, there's one book I read that just says, you know, if you believe in Darwinian evolution, you have to believe that everything came from nothing. You have right. to believe that chaos produced order. You have to believe that non-consciousness produced consciousness. Um, you have to see some kind of record in the in archaeology that would show these missing links, which we don't have. And mm-hmm. so now the idea is that there was these kind of explosions of information throughout history and blah, blah, blah. So I'm not bringing this up to to because I think um, we should try to mix cre- Genesis with Darwinian evolution, and so maybe we shouldn't look at the creation stories as literal. What I'm thinking about is the writing, the way Genesis 1 through 4, especially through Cain and Abel, is written, has almost kind of a Aesop fable kind of mm. uh, style mm-hmm. where... You know, when you read Aesop's fables or those kinds of things, they are so simple in their language. You know, the tortoise and the hare, and 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 it's and these and the the stories are so simple so that you can apply them everywhere. And the stories from Genesis one through four, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, a tree. There's so little detail, and they're told in such a way that they can be applied everywhere. Um, and they're they're so fundamental and deep and incredible that they apply to almost everyday life all the time. You know, as I'm as I'm thinking about Cain and Abel, you know, that my brother doesn't my brother gets favor and I don't get favor. He's the one that 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 God likes. I'm not the one that God likes, and so I get jealous and envy, envious. And God tells me either I need to face my sin or it's going to destroy me. Instead, I go and kill my brother. <laughs> it's just a simple story, <laughs> but you can apply that to so much. You can apply it to the politics that we're talking sure, about. Instead sure. of the politician looking at their own problems, they're just going to destroy everybody in their way. Um, so I just wanted to bring up that question, you know, the way it's written, the same way that, that Job is written. Like Job, the whole book is written almost like a play. It's written in, in poetry and you have characters that come out in these kind of um, very organized ways that it's like a Job is on the stage and then a character comes out and talks with them, then he leaves and then comes out and they're talking in poetry the whole time. And, and it almost feels like Shakespeare because who talks in poetry the whole time? And so that's just a question I have um, because sometimes I think when we get so concerned about is this little video camera history when I, if I were to watch Genesis one through four with a video camera and I am so concerned about that, I miss how they apply to every situation in my life. Cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't have the ability to make all the comparisons. Mm. The other side is it seems like Jesus saw them as history because Jesus says things like in the beginning, God created man and woman, and, and he kind of quotes Genesis 2. And uh, in the account of the Ten Commandments, uh, it says that, you know, to follow the Sabbath day because the Lord created the heavens and the earth in six days. So it seems like later writers, especially Jesus, who's the, who's, uh, the, the one we should follow, he seems to believe they were history. And then you have, you know, organizations like Answers in Genesis and Ken Ham who really have gone to the full extreme to try to show that this is a historical account. Everything adds up. It is a timeline. This is video camera footage of how everything came to be. So I just wanted to talk about the tension there a little bit. And if you guys, I mean, I think about this stuff a lot. Do you guys ever think about that? Do you ever have questions on that? Do you ever... Do you think this is important? It's it's pretty highly debated amongst Christians. Um, there's some that are really holding on. This has to be historical. It has to be a complete historical account. Um, and then there's some who's saying, oh, no, it's just um, almost kind of like a, a parable. Not saying it didn't happen or not saying Adam and Eve aren't real people, but the details are told in such a way as to be able to apply to all of humanity throughout all time. 
You're a deep thinker, Matt. What do I've you think? I've never considered this. Okay. Other other than like scientific, you know, evidence to support mm-hmm. things like the flood and mm-hmm. whatnot, you know. Right, and that that's usually where the debate is, and I don't think that for me that doesn't even factor in because I, 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 I think. It's not like I looked at Darwinian evolution, think, wow, that's so clear and that's so true. And I have to somehow change the details of Genesis to try to fit Darwinian evolution because that's such a better or clearer picture of Mm. origins. I don't think it is. I Mm -hmm. think it's a really bad, I, I don't think it accurately portrays, I mean, when I think about how the whole world fits together, how bees work together and how reproduction works together when you have to have a, a male and a female and how um, everything works. You take one piece out of, out of, out of our earth and it, everything falls to, apart. So I don't see how it could incrementally come about by chance that, that this doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm not, I'm not being tugged by that. I'm just, just by, if I would have the Bible by itself, it has similar kind of language to other ancient creation myths like the Egyptian creation story and the Babylonian creation story. And I'm just wondering if if Moses was writing in a way to maybe respond to those ancient stories and say, no, no, this is this is no God is actually the author and and this is how he organized things. Um so anyways, what do you think, Matt? Uh so I have thought a lot about that. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I usually do think about it in relation to, um, you know, the <laughs> current scientific thought on yeah. the matter. Um, I don't. I. I guess. I guess my conclusion is I. I don't. I don't know uh, why it matters. Okay, mm. here's why I was thinking that was a good question. You know, why does it matter? I think, kind of what I was saying before. If you are so focused on it being historical, um, you're going to read it kind of like, you know, like Luke 2, where it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census mm-hmm. should be taken of the entire Roman world. And I think mm-hmm. Luke is right in a way that we should kind of maybe look at archaeology and think about, oh, this is the time and place where Jesus would be born. And, and we should maybe think about the historical context and think about that in history. Genesis 1 doesn't seem to, to uh to to talk like that as much mm-hmm. as maybe Genesis 12 where Adam or you know it starts talking about places and yeah. and 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 how Abraham lived and 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 a lot more detail that we shouldn't necessarily project uh Abraham's story onto our life. Genesis 1 through 4 seems to be the kind of story that we should almost find the the moral of the story understand what I mean by that mm-hmm. and apply it to our life and see that Adam mm-hmm. means mankind. Eve means living being. Mm-hmm. So when you have all of mankind and every living being caught up in these two people, we should find ourselves in that story. Mm-hmm. So it's more about the intent, you know, was, was Moses intending the way he wrote it? for us to look at it as history or was he right in a way that we should apply it in the same way that we would apply a parable. Now we're going to get people don't hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm abandoning the historicity of an Adam and Eve and the, like, I, like don't, don't, don't burn down the, the church or anything. I still believe there's a real Adam and Eve. I still believe that. But the way that it was told, some of the details mm-hmm. was told, it, it doesn't seem to be told in that same, the same way that, uh, that Luke is writing mm-hmm. or the same way that maybe uh, they're writing First and Second Kings. Um, well, that that gives a lot of detail about places and names. And humanity historical. had not yet been really established, right? So like here we are starting humanity, yeah. starting to figure out feelings and emotions sure. and mm-hmm. norms and how mm-hmm. to act and not act. And so maybe that's kind of like part of it too, where um, maybe, I don't know, maybe the history, the history piece of it, like wasn't as important because I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's not a lot to talk about, right? <laughs> there's not a lot of places and, and, and details to talk about. So maybe that's why it's, um, devoid of a lot of those details. You're right. Yeah, that, that, that could be it. It just, 
it doesn't seem to have the video camera footage yeah. explanation that other stories do. The reason I think it matters is, again, just how you apply it. I think we should, all of us should find ourselves in these stories and really see that we're living them out every day of our life. Every day we're, we have the choice to take from that tree. Am I going to let God decide what's good and evil? Or am I going to listen to the serpent, the devil, who's going to lead me to try to define good and evil on my own terms and take from that tree? Uh, am I going to, you know, sin is crouching at my door. Am I going to overcome it? Or am I going to be like Cain and think all of my problems are, are outside of me and everybody's causing my life to be a problem. And so I got to get rid of other people and I got to push other people down and make other people small. So I just, I do think these are historical people, just how the way, the way it's told in the, and it just doesn't seem to, to, to write in the same way that later on Genesis talks. About. I mean, these are just really ancient stories. Mm-hmm. And so maybe as they were told to Moses, you know, he just gave the bare, the bare details of them mm-hmm. for that reason. I, I mean, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really know anything about Adam or Eve yeah. other than that they were the first man and the first woman. Yeah, and they're in the genealogy, genealogical record, uh, you know, in, in Genesis 5, also in, um, in Luke. When Luke gives the genealogy of Jesus, he goes all the way back to, to Adam. And so there had, to be, there had to be an Adam. There had to be a, a beginning mm-hmm. point. It had to be, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just the but writing is so incredible. I just, I can't, it boggles my mind. It blows my mind how much it applies to all of us. Right. And, and the, maybe that was the point. And like, we didn't, does it really matter where? And like, do, do we really need those other de- like those, those, some of those other details? Like this was kind of like the main focus and I don't, maybe we just didn't need all that other stuff. It was just, let's focus on some of these daily practices that we can apply. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I think that's, that's, I think it's incredible literature and it just, um, I know one guy who who came to some of these conclusions too, and he got famous for it. Was that Jordan Peterson did a lecture series on mm-hmm. on Gen- I don't I don't agree with him. He he has a Darwinian perspective on psychology and all sorts of stuff, and and and, and he really doesn't see this being history at all. And so I, I wouldn't agree with him. But he was just he was looking at Genesis for the first time, and he was blown away by the wisdom in it and the psychology behind it. And just because he was so impressed by it, he gave these lectures, and literally millions of people watch these lectures. Mm-hmm. So, mm. That's yeah, interesting. Well, so what is the, what's the fallout? You know, I get, I get, I get what you're trying to say. That okay, so maybe it's, maybe it's literal, and maybe it's mostly literal, mm-hmm. or, or maybe we're emphasizing it differently, but. I, I guess it has to either be literal or, or not literal. Right. And yeah, I guess I just want to know why they're written in such different language mm-hmm. than the rest of the Bible. So Matt, are you saying that people might uh, feel like it's they can discredit it because there's that lack of information or that lack of kind of historical detail? So people might have an easier time discrediting it or not believing it? Um, I think, hmm, I think that if you, if you say that the book of Genesis is true, literal history, um, and then, you know, some people have gone as far as to try to put an age on the entire earth, um, then, 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 okay, that's your opinion. You're kind of, you're kind of set in that, um, but once you say maybe it's not literal, then not, now you're opening up the door for anything else to really have happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I would, I would let Jesus set the parameters for that. Mm-hmm. And Paul, that before Adam and Eve, there was no sin, there was no death. Mm-hmm. I just, I guess I'm asking the question, I just want to know why. Why yeah. they're written in a different style? Are is the author wanting us? Is Moses wanting us to see them in that way mm-hmm. that they're literal, 
And if so, why did he write them in kind of almost a parable-like style? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like an Aesop fable kind of style. A, 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 a special tree, a talking snake, all these kinds of things that you don't see later on uh, in the scriptures. But they, they're, I love teaching them. And I, fi- mm-hmm. I find every time I read them, I'm like, this is incredible. And it's so mm-hmm. in, it, it just teaches us about life so, so much. So... Uh, I, I think the doctrine is still there that God created the world. Sin came in through the devil and through, you know, through our, our fall. I just want to know why it's written in a different style. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, yeah, I, that, and maybe somebody could tell me why, why it's written in a different style. Uh, that's all, but it has nothing to do with, I still think Darwinian evolution is total garbage and, uh, it just doesn't make any scientific sense. And I think it made bad psychology too. people like Freud who, who, uh, use Darwinian ideas to, um, to come up with a psychology. Freud said, Oh, we're just like animals. We're pleasure driven creatures. And so he was obsessed with sex and food that, you know, just like you would feed a dog, a treat, like that's how we kind of manipulate human, all of human humans emotions. And so he was really bizarre. Um, I think the psychology that believes that there is a God and believes that we're made for a purpose, like Viktor Frankl's psychology, that that makes much more sense. So I think Darwinian ideas are just don't add up to reality at all. They don't all. value humanity. I don't think exactly. Yeah. And 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 so you need a Genesis. You need a biblical worldview. I believe to to believe that we're we value humanity, that we have a purpose on this earth. I think it's a much clearer view of creation it said everything was created according to its kind that's what we see when we look at the the archaeological record we we see things according to their kind um i'm just wondering about the style more mm-hmm. like the, the style question mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting um uh, there's a couple of uh, that uh, of things that came to mind um one is it, one is about evolution mm-hmm. and i i don't think that that the concept of evolution as in, like a process of change. Correct. There's not really anything wrong with that. Correct. Oh no, we're talking yeah. about like the Big Bang. I'm and talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm talking about macro. I'm talking about fish becoming people. That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. We're, mm-hmm. we're, but no, d- changing over time, and that I think that's the tricky thing is that we all can see mm-hmm. species changing over time, mm-hmm. uh, species of of plants and animals and even people adapting, adapting. to their situation. Sure. But we don't see a, hum- a gorilla becoming a human or any, you know, we don't see any missing links. We don't see the crossing. And, and now that we know more about, and I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I probably, maybe I'm not saying this completely accurately, but now, now we know more about DNA, that DNA is a genetic code. And you, know, you think about computer code. Um, if you want, if you, your, your phone has a different kind of computer code than your computer. And if you want them to talk together, you need to update a bunch of information to make them be able to talk to each other. Or if you need a a new software, you got to get an update that you get from Microsoft. That's how, if if I was to get wings, I would need a huge update of information into my Mm -hmm. genetic code. Well, there's no way to get an update of information. Mm -hmm. And so these adaptations that we have, it's a losing of information. It's you have all this genetic code that's already writing how we are and how we're designed and different things are turning on and off so that my skin might be darker when I need it. My, my, you know, bones might be harder when I need all these different things, but I'm not going to turn into something completely different Mm -hmm. because my code doesn't tell me how to do that. Mm -hmm. There's just not the information to do that. So anyways, Mm -hmm. I, I, I think Darwinian, evolution as a as a macro ideal as the origin of life is that you know that's what he mm-hmm. called his book was the origin of, sp- of the species um it it didn't that hasn't played out right yeah um yeah and th- and the other thing about the account specifically is um kind of to your point uh, um like a- adam is adam and eve are, are they're not really characterized you know, the Bible doesn't say like, oh, and, and Adam was a very proud, proud, proud man and he didn't want to do things God's way, but he's just described simply as like the man mm-hmm. and the woman. Right. And, and so 
and maybe that is just what they're meant to represent is that um, Adam Adam represents mankind and mankind's will to disobey God because that's all we really hear about him and and Eve and and, and likewise for Eve the the only counter and, and speaking against myself here on that like the only counter argument I, I see or not the only one but the the genealogies do go back to an Adam and mm-hmm. Adam, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So there's some there's some origin of human being there. It just yeah, just a strange way to begin the story. Well, I go back to how do we? I mean, how how much personality could they have really had? Because sure. like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, think about it. Yeah. Like, there's just nobody. They're really only interacting yeah. with each other yeah. and God, and then you know this talking snake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like. And as we see, you know, Cain and Abel start to come to the picture, we yeah. get this envy picture. And like, I mean, it's people are forming their yeah. personalities mm-hmm. based on just the more people there are and how you're mm-hmm. interacting. And so that's it, really good. Yeah. It's kind of wild to me for me to think about that. Yeah, it it is. And I mean, we you, you travel to another country and you think, oh, this is really different here. And then you think about how things were done 100 years ago and in a different country. Like, oh, that's really different. We're talking another place of the world. You're the only thousands people. of years ago. Yeah, you're mm. the only people. You're the only people. And and even, you know, historical, any civilization, there's no civilization that has any kind of record of human beings really uh, farther back than the Bible. I mean, the the, the, the historical record of human beings of the Egyptians, the Babylonians, they all go back to about the same time as Adam and Eve. So there was some kind of ancient record of these people. And so, yeah, I think you might be right there, Annie. Maybe the reason it's so simple is not just a stylistic way, but maybe just because, hey, we're just getting this baby started. Right. I think so. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Very cool. I just, I continue. I'm I'm going to be preaching on Cain and Abel uh, in a week and a half, and uh, I'm excited to preach on it because I think it's going to apply to so many uh, politics. It's going to apply to our just day-to-day life, our interactions <laughs> with people. Yeah, and it's such a simple story. I don't mm-hmm. want to be called out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah. The, um, um, the, 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 big one that, the big one that I hear on the topic is, um, and this, this is in relation more to the, the popular scientific opinion, is that like Genesis is the book of the Bible that gets attacked the most. Right. And, and obviously, right. It's the oldest. So there's like the least corresponding historical record. There's the most room for error when you're going back that long or whatever. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, we, we were talking about this earlier with like Noah's Ark and there was like the Bill Nye Ken Ham debate a while ago on Noah's Ark. And it's like, you can't get to Noah's Ark until you've gotten through Genesis one. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to say, you know, you, you, Noah's Ark cannot be a point of contention. If you don't, first if you acknowledge. don't first acknowledge Genesis right. one, you can't say, okay, so maybe God created everything in six days, but there's no way he could fit animals in the boat. It's too small. Right. 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 It right, just right. doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, that's funny. And so it's really funny. <laughs> well, I mean, that was literally like a point of contention. The boat would be too small. He made everything out of nothing. He made everything out of nothing. Yeah. You know? And so <laughs> if for people out there who, if you're thinking, like, if you're looking at the, the evidence and you're thinking this is overwhelming and you think, well, Genesis 1 is seeming less and less likely, um, just remember, like, it's kind of an all or nothing. Like, it, when God, if God says, you know, I made something with just my words, then there's not a whole lot that he can't do. Right. And so if you're looking, you're saying, well, like these rocks are too old. These fossils don't line up. It's like, well, you know, you're talking about the guy that made literally everything right. in the blink of an eye. So right. it's not hard for him to make rocks, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and, and then, and, and, <clears throat> you know, for some people, if, if that's, if that is the point of contention, you know, ask yourself, like, what are you actually saying? Are you saying that you would be Christian if only Genesis 1 were more believable? Right. right like, that's right. not the case. That's never the case. It's never, I, yeah, I would, I would give my life to Jesus. I would drop everything and follow him. But, but rocks, that, but that rock, that rock yeah. looks fossils, really old. I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, I, 
you know, I get it where if you kind of attack the faith at the base and you say, well, if the Genesis one isn't correct then the whole thing can't be correct, I, that, that makes sense. But uh, at the end of the day, you have to put your faith in something and, and it's, it's, you know, I think if you would just read Genesis, it's such a beautiful account. I mm-hmm. guess that's, um, I, I, I think, just appreciate it first before you have to, before you start asking all those questions like, but scientifically, and because science keeps on changing and all, nobody seems to have any answers there. Just look at, think about this is how ancient this book is and how beautifully it was written. And the, I mean, how seven is woven into that first page. So there's seven words in the opening verse. Uh, there's seven days. There's seven times it says day, uh, morning and evening. Um, it, it's just incredibly written. Um, so just appreciate it. And then I pray that Jesus gets a hold of your heart. And yeah, the forgiveness of sins, that God would forgive us for all the things that we've done, that's a harder sell, <laughs> I think, yeah. than, and that God loves me and he's going to make all things new and, and, and he accepts me. And that's me. the actual point of contention, I would say. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that what I'm people a sinner actually that needs to be struggle rescued. with. Yeah. 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 Some people don't like it so much they could kill a guy over it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, crucify a guy. So that's that's. I think that's the, the reality. Yeah. So I don't know. I hope I didn't confuse anyone. I just I want to know why it's written the way it's written, mm-hmm. and if somebody mm-hmm. could help me out with that. And Annie, you probably just have the right answer right there. I am a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Certified. Hardly. All right. Send in your questions to our email address, though, if you have questions. Yeah, that's right. Matt, you want to take on a light topic? Yeesh. 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 So uh, um, uh, there was a story that recently came out about yet another teacher-student sex scandal. And then as I looked it up, I realized there's just thousands of them everywhere on the Internet. It's like, holy smokes. So anyone... Anyway, the the one that I wanted to bring up was, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about the scandal, but there's probably more implications to talk about. This, the story is this. There's a teacher um, who's 26 years old, um, uh, female teacher, and she begins a relationship with a 17-year-old female student. Um, the teacher is married to a man and um, he's out of town, and when he's out of town, the teacher invites the student over, and they talk, and they um, engage in sexual activity, and then the the husband comes home, and he finds out somehow. He texts or calls the principal, and the principal tells the police, and um, yeah, I mean, even after the husband found out the student was still coming over, to like console the teacher because she needed that person in her darkest hour. <laughs> and um, the teacher, so the teacher's going to jail. Um, and, and like there's, I mean, this is one of tons of stories, but just, you know, we, we can, we can talk, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts specifically about the story, but we should probably start what, there. What's but. your question? Like, what are you, like, how do we, how did we get to this point? Like, yeah, I, the, how do these, how do these relationships start and how are they formed and how are they nurtured? Yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's the place to start. I think is how do these things start? If like, I, th- cause I, I, I've, you know, we've heard stories about like unmarried teachers, I think, you know, Going, you know, a female teacher and a male student, which is really gross, but makes a little bit more sense, you know. And then you have a classic, um, the, the classic example of like a person with a lot of power who's married, you know, usually a guy with a lot of power who's married, but maybe he goes for sort of like the young, hot girl that who's working for him or whatever. But then you have a story like this, and it's just baffling. It's just baffling. Short answer is like wickedness and the devil is 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 real. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's more psychology that's going on behind this. You know, how does a person come to that place where they 
start to be that intimate, maybe emotionally with the student? Is it the amount of time that you're spending? Uh, it's just not having any boundaries or any clear morality that, that you're fighting against some of these mm-hmm. things, you know, I, maybe it's just because it's on my mind, you know, that, that again, those words that God speaks to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. You have to overcome it, mm. uh, to be able to say, this is wrong. I have to fight this. I need help with this. I, I can't go down this road, uh, is really, really powerful. I, yeah, how do you how do you, it's definitely not something that happens overnight. You you, you start to go down this road. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. It could be one of two things, right? It's either it's either we've got a predator here or we have somebody who is completely oblivious thinking that everything's fine. There's you know, there's no way this could happen and they're just totally ignorant and they mm-hmm. you know, I'm speaking particularly of the teacher. So either I feel like you've got somebody who's just completely being a predator and has a, has an intention of doing this or just doesn't acknowledge and isn't self-aware of the boundaries and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think it's, it's gotta be one of those two things, right? Like yeah. intentional or just dumb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, I don't know what other option there would be. Man. Yeah. And, and just not having that boundary. I, I think you're right that there are some people who intentionally seek out, I mean, I have a long history of I'm going to become a teacher because there's lots of kids there and I'm mm. going to be able to put myself in those kind of positions to, to take advantage of that situation. And um, that's that's intentional and, and just wicked and evil. And there's statistics, too, that if you were a victim of abuse um, and, you know, that, that that kind of behavior can pass on from generation to generation, it's more likely that you'll become a predator also uh so being you know acknowledging some of those weaknesses i think that's really really important um but it but it it, you know it is disturbing um i i do think we should do everything we can to train kids and had have conversations um one thing that I'm, i'm really enjoying this year is uh driving my daughter to school more often we're we're walking through a book every day we she kind of rolls her eyes a little bit but we're, we're walking through a bunch of these kinds of things where who are you going to talk to? What are you going to say? What, you know, what's, what's appropriate? And um, we got to give kids as young as, they, as, young as we can uh, the tools to, uh, to speak to somebody when they see something. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I mean, there's just got there's all sorts of. You kind of play this story backwards. Where are the parents um, when this? Mm-hmm. You know, where are you? Where are you going? Why are you going over that teacher's house mm-hmm. again? You know, well, they probably uh, lied. Uh, I'm guessing. Sure. Okay. And then, but then you got to keep asking those questions. Where are you going? And then there's just got to be. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wonder if this teacher went after somebody who's already kind of marginalized, looking for affection, looking for that, that happens to a lot of times in these predator cases, they, they pick out somebody who is going through a rough time at school is needy and, and, and not is looking for affection. Um, so, so you wonder if that, that was part of it also. Yeah. They, they both claimed they were in love, Yeah, which is just scary as heck. And you, and like the, you know, the husband is the other victim in the story. Yeah. Who I mean, I don't even know what you do in that situation, but um, so so then I guess the question is, um, so for a while, I mean, for for many years, people having an age gap, you know, between two two spouses, at least, like that's not really that uncommon in the course of human history. Correct. You know, for a, a guy to be twenty five and the girl is like sixteen because she can have kids now. And that's her prerequisite. He has to go learn how to make money, you know, which is harder. Um, Dang. Um, Easy. <laughs> which takes longer. There. Um, so you know, you you have you have something where it's like, okay, you know, the the age get the age gap is is what it is. We as a we as a culture have decided that that under eighteen is a child, but it's not like there's a switch that flips. Like, oh, you're ready for marriage now because you're eighteen, you know. Well, you're still in high school. I mean, in high school when you're 18, mm-hmm. uh, you know, most mm-hmm. times, 
-hmm. So, you know, it's not like a teacher could just be like, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a, uh, societal norm there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and, and then, and then the, the other factor or the other two factors is one that your personal happiness is, is more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you're the teacher and you feel maybe you're trapped in this relationship because your husband doesn't give you the attention or the love that you think you deserve, you're allowed to go look for it elsewhere. And, and, and the, the really disturbing part that sticks out in my mind is, is there's, I think a, a minority, but a loud minority of people that are trying to push, um, like sex work and sort of, um, just generally promiscuity, anything in like the adult film industry, right? That's all only fans. Only fans. That's yeah. a big one. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. Do I want to know what it is? It's, it's, you're a free agent porn person. Okay. But they, but they do weird. I mean, there's weird things too. Oh, like some of it's so weird. Like, and and I'm not even saying like sexual necessarily, but like, you know, f- certain fetishes sure. and th- you know things like that. It's almost entirely sexual. Yeah. An example would be, I think, like two years ago, OnlyFans announced that they were going to ban any pornographic material on their platform, and everyone left. And so within a couple of weeks, they were like, oh, no, we're not. Just kidding. Hmm. Literally, like 95% of users were going to leave. Because that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's and like. people pay, like, to, they subscribe to. You can subscribe uh, to me and, yeah. and get lewd images of me, basically. Uh, not that bad. anyone would want that. But, but, <laughs> but, but there, I mean, people are, are really trying to push and say, this is okay. This is a legitimate source of income. Um, you shouldn't judge people and like it's your body, your choice, all of this. And you start at you start adding these things up and it's like, OK, so society, you know, like the, the law is that eight, under 18 is a child. But mm-hmm. really, what's the difference between a 17 and an 18 year old? I mean, there's you know? got to be a cutoff somewhere. You, you know, you could argue that about anything, you know, drinking age right. 21. Oh, sud- suddenly you hit 21 and you're responsible. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but if it you know, it's like it's consensual. If it if it's consensual, or I guess we we wouldn't say that it can be, but in the situation whether or not it's legally consensual doesn't matter because the act is already not legal. Um, so if the if the right. person's allow if both the parties are allowing it to happen, then um, you can very easily see where someone who doesn't have any um, solid backing in in um, the Bible or in in some sort of morality, okay, what's the problem here? Yeah, you know. I guess, you know, yeah, you compare those two stories like, so if that's okay in society, OnlyFans, is that what it's called? OnlyFans? OnlyFans, yes. If that's that's okay, which OnlyFans, that sounds like it's saying like, oh, I'm not doing, this is not hurting anybody. I'm just watching. I'm not, right? I'm just a fan Mm -hmm. of it. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not, is is that part of the reason why it's called that? I don't know. Okay. It's interesting. I think it's because it's only because it's like exclusive. Like you have to pay to do it. Okay, whatever. Anyway. But then um, for me, again, it goes back to God has given us marriage and inside marriage, you have this gift of sex for enjoyment to bring two people together but also for children we eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil that we think we have a better i way to put this all together and this isn't harming anyone only fans just watch it who's 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 to harm you know that just the devaluing of human being like there's there's no such thing as um you know no harm sex outside of marriage it's always going to be harmful it's always mm-hmm. going to hurt there's always a victim there's always somebody feeling used there's always somebody wondering if that person's going to come back actually cares about me i so it we just need a lot of grace and we need to go back to god's word i i just like mm-hmm. I, man it's just really sad well and you know for people who want like people who are paying to watch the only fans that's just straight drugs slash poison to your brain. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what it is. Rewiring your brain. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it is. And for people doing it and they say like, it's, well, it's my choice. I mean, you know, regardless of whether you're bought with the blood of Christ, I mean, do women not like to be objectified? Am I wrong in that? Isn't isn't it the thing that most women would say they don't like to be objectified? What are you looking at me for? I can't uh, answer that. 
You're the girl in the room. <laughs> I'm but, a brosif. <laughs> but and, and you, it, then you it, have a segment that's willingly right. objectifying themselves right. and really poisoning sad. the brains of people. And I'm not saying that the men are not involved here because obviously they're the ones yeah. funding all this nonsense. But I think that's you know, the the Me Too movement was asking our culture to go back to almost a Puritan kind of value system where mm-hmm. we're going to respect yeah. human beings and women have values and they can speak up if they're being treated um, as just objects and men are taking advantage of them or abusing them or using them for whatever. It was just so fascinating that Hollywood was asking us to go back to Puritan values mm-hmm. and at the same time the movies or, or these other sites that were producing are undermining that. So which yeah. one is it? You mm-hmm. know what? Well, it's and that's kind of what you're asking, men, right? Men should go back to values. Women, you have the power to be as gross as men were, but men, you have to stop being that gross. It's mm-hmm. women's turn to be gross. That's what that's what mm-hmm. the movement that, is right now. It's just it's just really confusing. <laughs> so I yeah, I, uh, unfortunately these there, the consequences are kind of hidden for a while. You know, I think promiscuity for a while it was all right uh we have unwanted pregnancy well now it's we we don't see the results of how dangerous Mm -hmm. this is to like you said your brain to your heart to your body to Mm -hmm. to your life to your your self-image your self-esteem there it's not apparent in the moment on how how damaging this is for society yeah well and yeah right and the culture is not going to drop the hammer on you because that's all kind of acceptable now and you can just take plan b if there's a pair and you can you can get treated for certain um stds maybe Mm -hmm. but there's yeah again there's that poison in the brain like that's the slow killer now that you there's no there's no easy fix for that you can't rewire the brain as quickly as you can unwire and it's subjective too i think you know we can say you know this is definitely a pregnancy this is definitely an std Mm -hmm. but we can't quite put a value on how how far gone somebody is or how right so it's it's subjective i think i i think so how do we help people i i what's interesting is the Apostle Paul is preaching into a culture that was incredibly sexually promiscuous. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it, it is all those things that we're seeing um, mm-hmm. just without the internet. I mean, in the Greek culture, it was very common to have a boy on the side, uh, and that was part of the discipleship or discipline process. And it was that you were teaching him all sorts of sexual things. And that was, so Paul is writing into these kind of cultures, and he, he talks about how, you know, in Christ you can abandon these these selfish desires. That's what it is. We're instead of just feeding your own flesh and be renewed in the transforming of your heart and your mind. And so I think our culture needs deliverance. We need forgiveness. We need redemption. We need a whole mm-hmm. we need a brainwash in the right sense of the word of of, of seeing how valuable we all are. Mm-hmm. Um and man, yeah, I I, I do think they're to 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 stop these men from participating that this is somebody's daughter this is somebody's um and probably somebody's wife and uh, to not objectify them and then also women to say i'm valuable enough Mm -hmm. that i don't need to go this direction i'm loved i'm accepted Mm -hmm. i'm chosen i'm forgiven i'm designed by god i have something to offer more than just my body and and to bring it back to the the teacher student thing i mean you just you have to have the accountability and the responsibility and if Mm -hmm. you know if you're because you know in the in the story or in stories like this you know it's like the students kind of know the students in the class kind of know that oh mr Mm -hmm. x or mrs y is always sort of flirting with this or that student i mean the students know but you know they're scared to say anything because you know you can't have that you can't have an authority figure yeah. turned upside down like that because then the students where do where do their loyalties lie if they don't see authority acting with responsibility Isn't that crazy the question t- i i just think about is like so yeah if you don't have god's word why is it wrong mm-hmm. if you d- i mean we have we have policies against it we have laws against it but why and i think that maybe that's why 
there are so many cases of it because, hey, if love is love, if it feels so good, how mm-hmm. could it be wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't have a, a, a foundation for good and evil, right and wrong. And that's and why I think you hear oftentimes, well, it just happened. Right. You know, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't planned, but it just kind of happened. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, did you not have a, a gut check at some point during right. this process to say like, oh, this is not good. Yeah. I just saw a post yesterday on the internet that said, if it makes you happy, then who cares? It's like, and it was supposed to be very positive. You know, it's supposed to be encouraging people to be themselves, find Which their true identity. I can and, get behind that to a degree. Like, sure. you know, you, you know, you might not like a physical attribute that you have or whatever, but you, you say, I'm going to embrace this or, you know, yeah. so I do think there, there is some truth to that, but it really like when it gets, starts getting, it's like masks a bigger probably, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Uh, value system happiness is good it's just not a good barometer whether i should be doing or not you know happiness a lot of times is a byproduct of doing something that's good you know if but when we pursue happiness as an end in itself that's usually when it becomes selfish and Mm -hmm. and uh gluttonous and yeah Mm -hmm. lustful and all those Mm -hmm. different things but you know giving a good class as a high school teacher like yourself right Absolutely. And when you're done with that, there's there's happiness is a byproduct. Watching, you know, doing a good deed, doing good work, put on a great concert, the byproduct is happiness. But when you when you, you say I need to be happy and you pursue it on its own, man, a lot of times that just becomes a selfish taking from somebody. And that's the that's what all these relationships have in common. I'm 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 willing to take from somebody just for my own happiness. Mm. I'm I'm just grateful, I guess, um, that there's still a law that will prosecute, yeah. you know, in the case of teachers and students that, you know, I, it seems like the, it seems like the culture, the common culture has, has, you know, the, the push is that there should be no problem for two people who feel like they like each other love is love. to be able to have sex regardless of any other obligations that they've made in their lives. But, um, so I'm just glad that the law is is still sane. <laughs> Recognizes age as a yeah has done has so has how picked well something. so with this case if the te- if the student had been 18, That's I mean happened it's, too. it's definitely still inappropriate in ter- mm-hmm. because of we have got a teacher in an authority position mm-hmm. and a student. I still think that is highly even if the teachers say 22, right. it's still yeah. the teacher, right? But is that illegal? It. If if I've, I I read a case like that as well, um, maybe it's state by state or the, the teacher. There was a, the, actually it was in a different country, but the teacher did resign, mm. um, and I think she at the time of the incident she was like twenty three, right? And it was like at a prom night, and she had been like flirting with this football player, guy, eighteen, eighteen, and the other teachers all knew, like, because when teachers go to prom, they're standing off like chaperones and this sure. woman was not she was partying being a chaperone <laughs> um she allegedly this is all alleged because because i think she just left and so uh, it was it was deemed highly inappropriate and you know like she was whether she resigned or whether she was dismissed is you know who knows it was probably i mean i would think that's got to be a little tricky wouldn't you i mean to be i don't know 23 yeah. and 18 yeah I think the the power thing we have to acknowledge mm-hmm. power right mm-hmm. that you you are in a place of authority and you that that's a place where Jesus says that you who are first make yourself last if mm-hmm. you're first be the one who serves unfortunately what our sinful nature can do is you you're in a place of authority and and people are whether they want to acknowledge or not you know can be scared or pressured or feel obligated to do what you mm-hmm. say and it, they think maybe I can get ahead by doing this too, but there's so much fear there and, and people in power just have such great responsibility to I use think, it for service. I think what mm-hmm. you're trying to say is with great power yeah, comes right. great responsibility. <laughs> right. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I think you look back on the cases of, of, of sexual sin inside of uh, churches, you know, when pastors have been promiscuous or teachers or any of these positions of authority you can't get any better than what Jesus said. Use your place to serve. And then also what Paul told Timothy to treat young, you know, as a pastor, treat 
young women as sisters, like that, a more of a familiar relationship, not not treat them as 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 people that you you're over them in power, so mm-hmm. as to use your position, mm-hmm. yeah, to for a relationship. Yeah, maybe one more thing I thought of um, is it's it, you know it seems like men are often and probably rightly so viewed as they're sort of a little bit more sexually aggressive, and women are women are the gatekeepers, so to speak. Like it's up to them to decide because. Um, you know, yeah. not to be crass, but men will sleep with anything. Um, <laughs> and I just think like sometimes you, sometimes I don't know exactly what's going on in people's heads, but there's a lot of cases in the case of teachers and students where it's both genders, it's either, right? Um, and, you know, if you treat young men like, oh, you're sexually aggressive, and um, so you need to shape up so that a woman will find you attractive. It's, it's more than that. It's like you also need to be responsible and watch out for yourself. And, you know, to just tell women like, you know, like you're, you're going to be the one who has to like hold the leash or, you know, hold them back, <laughs> hold mm-hmm. back the unstoppable mm-hmm. tide of men that's going to come rushing toward you. <laughs> it's like, but you are also going to have the temptation. Yeah. You know, you can't just cut men men are always aggressive and women always have to be um uh, keep themselves safe you know that's a tendency but that's not every that's not mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a fine you'd be able to give both the encouragement to mm-hmm. be as responsible mm-hmm. as they can and then and those cases where there are real victims where a man has taken it you know maybe because of strength or position or whatever taken advantage of women to to not put that guilt back onto the woman but in a in cases where there isn't that power struggle uh, to give the encouragement to women you have value, they can they can work for it in the sense of, you know, like, yeah, if you like it, put a ring on it, right? Show me commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in lots of cases, so many of these, I think I think all the cases when it comes to these kind of teacher-student relations has so much to do with power struggle mm-hmm. that it doesn't just go down to, to you know, wh- why didn't, why didn't you show more, yeah, uh, self-control? Well, mm-hmm. there's so much more involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Ooh, Yikes. Heavy topics. Uh, it's time, yeah? I think that's why we just need, we continue to need the transformation of Jesus, continue to need God's word as a guide. And if you just take that out, I mean, where, how, do you, how do you put together a foundation for morality and for forgiveness without it? Mm-hmm. Truth. All right. All right. Peace. Ciao. Tune in later for two skincare tips that'll make your dermatologist hate you. <laughs> if you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B S A D L E R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.